time to get unstuck in slow readers. That's so low key. That was I'm so, all about it. Yeah, I know it was. It was terrible. Theme music. Welcome, dear listener readers. Hello, everyone. To slow readers. Uh, I feel like you started like half NPR, half this show. Time <laughs> to get unstuck. Well, the uh, the low key manner. Terry Gross. The low key manner was NPR. Your Thor winner. The the failure of it was SR. It was very Thor. <laughs> okay, so this is Slow Readers, America's sure. fast paced literature podcast, brought to you by Top Gun Radio. Totally, it's a podcast where we talk about books. We talk about literature. We talk about life. We talk about the written word. We talk about life forms shaped like plungers. We talk about the unwritten word. We talk about clapping of one hand. We talk about <laughs> for a second. For a second, I I straight up. I thought you meant masturbation. <laughs> wow. Clap? I don't know. What it, is the sound like, of one hand clapping? It, it, yeah. It's <laughs> the, old, the old the old Zen Cohen. That's your response to that, that. that. I haven't heard that in so long that like when you said this, I was thinking like jerking off. Yes. I feel like that's like, a rejected, kind of that's like a rejected joke from like like Ren and Stimpy or something. Like like a Zen master is like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? And then some guy starts like beating it like really fast. <laughs> like uh, Or like, I guess a woman uh, doing her thing. Yeah, that's good. No, that's what I said as well. Uh, yeah. Was saying, like, as um as magnificent off, so. bastard Ryan Snyder would say, um, a woman playing DJ on herself. Oh, yes, indeed. This is the crudest beginning I think we've had in a while. Probably. Uh, by the way, the NPR style opening has just gone out the window. Yes. Also, I get, uh, um, oh, no. our, our, my, my warning, my greeting to everyone to this show, as always. Please stick around. We are a real literature show, we promise. If you want to go ahead right to the book talk, you can swipe up, go to the show notes. You'll jump right to our talk about Slaughterhouse-Five or The Children's Crusade or The Duty Dance of Death. Yes, something like that. By Kurt Vonnegut Jr. And you can skip all of our nonsense, but I don't know why you want to do that, because unless maybe you want to hurt me. <laughs> Junior, where's the senior? Um, in Norwegian lands. Norway. Wait, what? There's a there's a there's a Norwegian dance band called Junior Senior. Oh, okay. Big fan. Uh, I am your co-host Hello. Daniel Gonzalez. Hello, Gonzalez. Brought to you by brought to you. Daniel Gonzalez brought to you by your parents. And I am producer, editor, writer, and an author of note. Um. I'm like, I thought you were saying note, and you're gonna continue, but you did not. No, no, no. Uh, the Great Destoyo. Who and what are and why are you, sir? Hello, everyone. I'm Gabe Mara. I am a comedian sometimes. I'm an audio producer most of the time. And um, I'm just a general filmmaker, writer kind of thing. You know, I'll figure it out again. You're, you're still figuring it all out. I'm only 31. Hey, to be fair, you have you definitely have plans right in front of you. A what? You definitely have plans right in front of you. See, though. I have plans. I'm just like Biggie at the beginning of Ready to Die. Yeah. I got big plants. Okay. Big actually, plants. I, I didn't recognize that. I'm also in that same vein. I'm just like Ben Gibbard. Has plans? I got big plans. I feel like, was there, you listened to that. Okay, so that's going to be the one tangent we have before we actually go to One? One. Because I don't, personally, I don't, I mean, unless you have something, I don't have anything to really talk about. Not really. I saw Mary Poppins Returns. Who cares? Um, not really anyone. <laughs> Apparently, not most people didn't. Yeah, well, it didn't, well, it I wasn't excited. I've actually never really seen the first Mary Poppins. Honestly, though. I don't really care for the original Mary Poppins. It's not really. I love Disney. It's a, it's a I like Julie thing, Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was just it, like the same thing of Sound of Music. I just never really cared. Never seen the Sound of Music either. 
I mean, it's good. It's a classic for a reason. Who was it? I feel like it was something... It's like the camp of people who love Wizard of Oz. I'm like, do you really love Wizard of Oz that much? Wizard of Oz I like, though. Yeah? I, I, lo- I don't love it. I'm not obsessed with it. But, like, but what, what are... Wonder of Oz. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Wonder of House has like this kind of like like wonderment to it that I actually really do enjoy. Sure. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot I, I appreciate and like about Wizard of Oz. I don't like. Don't get me wrong. If you said let's put it on, I'd be like no. If you were a girl, I'd say yes. Yeah, obviously. Um, but like, but that said, I've never, I've never seen. I never really gave a shit about watching The Sound of Music and and um, the other one. It was that weird kind of overlap, where maybe in my head, back before I, I matured past these things, it seemed like a girls' movie, <laughs> kind of like how before I thought that Dirty Dancing was not a good movie because I was, it was a girls' movie, and bless his heart, Chris O'Dowd. Um, bless his heart in the in the way like he's amazing i love him chris o'dowd went on jesse thorne's podcast voice of young america to talk about how much he loves dirty dancing <laughs> and i think actually i might be seeing a big screening of that tonight at 7 p.m at the local movie theater oh cool i love dirty dancing dude i, I know you do i fucking love it the, so much the alarming look in your eyes is, i am is like my eyes are getting wider intense. and wider yes they're about as wide-eyed as jennifer gray's character baby at the beginning of that film because she's so naive yes good Fair enough point. What were we talking about? Oh, Mary Poppins. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. It's... So that was my non-tangent. That was your non-tangent. Well, let's go on this tangent because I already forgot the thing I was gonna say. We're talking about what's it called? The Wizard of Oz. No, we're talking about Mary. Well, specifically, we're talking about Mary Poppins. Still. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I've I've never seen it. Uh. Oh, that's right. Um. Speaking based of on s- a book. S- sound of music. Book actually. podcast. I'm sorry. That's what we're talking about. Was it? Yeah. yeah all... It's based on a series of books. That's why Mary Poppins appears in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Black Dossier. Oh, yeah. Was it Black Dossier or like nineteen no, no. something? No, it was the uh, final. It was the final story in the century. Uh, yeah. Story, what year was which it? Which is a very fantastic graphic it's like, novel. Like nineteen ninety seven or uh, something. Ninety nine. Wait, it was two thousand seven. I want to say it was like it was like futuristic. Well, when did it take place? No, the year. It was oh seven. Because it was. It, it coincides with the fit of the ending of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And Harry Potter one begins in ninety seven. I think. One second. Hold on. Jesus Christ. Uh, let me look that up. Um, but no, the, uh, I, I forgot who it was who said this, but someone, someone made the, the very cynical, uh, opinion of Sound of Music about, like, how much they don't like it. It might have even been Ryan, hmm. but, uh, it was something along the lines of, uh, Sound of Music, the one movie where we were cheering for the Nazis. I don't think that was him, but that sounds like something right up his alley. It, it's something that, like, he might have even said or he, like, repeated. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, do me a favor. Talk about Sound of Music, or Mary, or tell us about Mary Poppins a little bit while I look. This sure, up. Mary Poppins Returns. Um, I like the idea. Um, um, people like to complain about. I remember. So I had this weird kind of dissonance while watching the movie. Where, one, I was very, very unimpressed, mm-hmm. but also on the other hand, very annoyed at the idea of people actively hating on this movie, like. Yes, it's a cash grab. Yes, it's unnecessary. Yes, there's no Julie Andrews. Yes, there's a ridiculous like cameo by Dick Van Dyke. But wh- you don't make these movies, much like hating on any of the Disney remakes, complaining about anything other than being cash grabs is fine. It's like, they're, they're there. They're for people who want to love them. But at the same time, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed, stone-faced, like, terrible cut. Terrible cut. You know, I like Lin Memoir Miranda. You know, this, this is fine. But I don't know. It was it was I, I enjoyed it enough. It was just a it's a cash grab, but mm-hmm. it, it brought people joy. And I, I'm always a little bit put off when people are like, "Ugh, Lin Manuel Miranda, he can't really rap, you know." I'm like, "Who fucking cares? Did you bring joy to a million people? Shut your mouth." Who said that he can't rap? People I know on Facebook. 
Uh, well, those are um, I feel like those are people who probably also don't like rap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, keeping in mind that I spent all of last episode really, like, going... I think it was a bit too tipsy. I got really, really, like, vitriolic about The Hobbit, more so than I, like, I'm like i comfortable with. Um, but, like, I really think... I hate it when people lead with a negative opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, like, fine, don't like Mary Poppins Returns. You are totally entitled to that. Don't go around shitting on it just to, to make other people unhappy. Yes, you're kind of a miserable bastard, but... Just chill. But that's that's basically people who do shit on things that they don't like. I mean, we like kind of parading around. Like, I will gleefully talk about how much I don't like Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how about this? There's there's this thing that I learned from, uh, you know, people, like, who do bad movie podcasts. Like, I believe specifically this comes from, like, Paul Shear because, like, he learned, especially in the process of doing, by the way, 2009. That oh, that makes a lot more sense. Story in my book. Uh, also, there's a new one apparently coming out presently. Hmm. Um, but anyway, the... Uh, like there's this thing that Paul Shear, I believe, said in the process of doing uh, "How Does It Get Made," which is ba- which is a podcast that is essentially making fun of yes. bad movies, especially like new ones. Like the one I just do- did, like I think the previous week, right now, was a Little Italy, which had like uh, Hayden Christensen, I think Lily Collins, no uh, okay. Roberts, uh, Emma Roberts. Yes. Like it's really recent, but like the whole idea where it's like you. Like you don't talk about how much you like hate a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not nice. It's not nice to basically like you have to appreciate anything that anyone makes, even if it's a pile of crap. Exactly. If if someone made a fan, like I'm trying to come up with an example, like like things, uh, the little cult sure. Canadian movie, mm-hmm. like you don't want to like make you don't want to be like this guy's a fucking idiot. Where like yeah, I, you don't want to appreciate that this you have guy to find created the something. joy out of it. Yes. However, you can be basically hateful towards cra- like. Money, like money grab things that like clearly have no. I think like soulless, joyless money grabs yeah. are where I draw the line. Like, like I will not stand. I will not stand up for Man of Steel or something because that's for me. That's joyless, um, horrible money grabbing. And like for me, like there's there's nothing redeemable about that for me. I think that's utter trash. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like if if you took out all the product placement of Man of Steel, I would be a lot less angry at it. Really? That, yeah. That's where that's what that's that's what pushes, well, for, pushes for me, you over that. For me, that that's line. like that's that's the <laughs> kicking the dog. For me, like that's like the, the it's that's what makes it gross. It's a bad movie, but what makes it gross is you have these huge ads and a lot of Christ imagery, and yeah. you're like, this is just that's just not okay. That's that's gross. It's uh, yeah, now it's, you're it's making pretty, something embarrassing. It's pretty shallow. Like I, mean, I, I would rather watch Neil Breen's movies over and over again, or his trailers, <laughs> than watch Man of Steel because I think Man of Steel is embarrassing and it's just a bummer. Yeah, uh, great, great. You, you can find joy in bad art or something like like Mary Poppins Returns. The, the audience I saw it with loved it, and I'm like, this is charming. There's Lin Manuel Miranda doing charming songs and dancing of hippos. Cool. <laughs> the uh, that's a great point. Like it's it's you can appreciate like there is a joy watching Neil Breen movies, which to be honest, we never actually did. We've only yeah. seen clips, um, and they seem they seem amazing. If anyone out there doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, go oh, to please God. go to YouTube. Look mm-hmm. up Neil. Breen, I believe Breen is B-R-E-E-N. And yes, yeah, so like, like spelled the same as green, but with a B instead of a G. Yeah. Look at look it up. Look at the trailer for uh, Twisted Pair. Twisted Pair. Or if you're like me, you got into them through uh, Red Letter Media's uh, mm-hmm. web series, um, uh, Best of the Worst. Yes. Uh, it, 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 they're just, they're wonderful. They're they're never dull. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the spiritual successor to The Room. Yeah, mm. look up the trailer for Twisted Pair. Yeah. It is one of the funniest, most amazing things out there. Because for me, I, ca- I can't, I can never, ever fault someone for being passionate. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're passionate about doing terrible art. 
I mean, that that's amazing. Like what he does, it's it's just it's uh, utterly amazing. The the wonderful, and this is why like like uh, the room like I can appreciate the love for it, but like I really, you know what the most beautiful thing about Neil Breen mm-hmm. is that he keeps making movies. Yeah, he he'll he, never stop. I feel like I feel like every two or three years he comes out with a new movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas what's his nuts? Like he made like one, and then he spent like twelve years making, making like, a, a, show. a failed TV show or something. Yeah, like that. Tommy Wiseau. Which is yeah, it's 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 kind of unfortunate, but like then again, a lot of things about him are kind of mysterious, including like how he funded like his movie or whatever yeah where like i forget exactly i feel like you can wiki neil breen and like understand how he funds these movies yes because even though they look cheap as hell Mm -hmm. like they also look great they also yeah well also like you can't just you can't just take out like a camcorder and make a two-hour movie Mm -hmm. like there is there's a lot of money being put a lot of time and effort being put into this you see his balls <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah, guys. So please look that up if you don't know what we're talking about. Right now, if you can, YouTube the trailer, Twisted Pair. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. So circling all the way back, I really I don't like it. I mean it makes sense if uh if how did, um how did this get made? You want to find the joy and the passion of something. Yeah. Otherwise it's just soulless. You 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 appreciate, especially in terms of bad things, like really bad like passion project, let's say. Mm-hmm. Is that like there is like there is so much love for something like the room specifically with like polishing yeah. and whatnot that like there's a cult you, you can get together like you could have more fun watching you can watch more fun watching the room with a group of people than you can watching Mary Poppins Returns uh you know like the DCEU movies and all of them mm-hmm. like you feel like you you've like experienced something and you'll remember it and it was absolutely it was fun you know mm-hmm. anyway. so yeah again that being said um see mary poppins returns i guess if you have a kid or something <laughs> but i mean like for me at the end of the day the real joy of that movie is just seeing uh i mean all the stuff the little kids boring but everything of emily blunt oh, yeah. miranda emily mortimer ben wisha they're they're great how how was uh how was blunt blunt that? was blunt was perfect right. blunt but was an assassin she came in there she fucking annihilated <laughs> it then like probably went home for the day same thing, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is really there. Like, he is the Dick Van Dyke character at this point, mm-hmm. where he's just kind of, like, having a good time. He's just bringing joy to the world, which is what's wonderful about that Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda. 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 Miranda, yeah, Miranda. there we go. Is that right? Uh, yeah, no, there, there's a lot to be said, and don't get me wrong, like, I feel like there's still, like, a bright way to do that kind of movie that I'm sure, like, that movie did not do, or apparently sure. did not do, because I'm just, like, the reviews of it. Yeah. Where it was kind of, like, um... I feel like there's been something else recently that was, like, this big, like, oh, we're doing this again. And it kind of came and went because it's, like, oh, and basically people, like, a big group of people just, like, weekly shat something out. And Mm -hmm. then it just kind of came and went. People were just, like, oh, I went to go see it because it's in. Hey. All right. I'm going home now. And then no one ever talked about it again. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it was. I think I'm sure when, it was nominated for best uh, picture this year. That's oh my god, <laughs> really not good. Yeah. They talk about that in the the How to Get Made mini episode too, just just because it's like, I think it was that, or maybe it was never not funny. Where like they talk about like like Vice being mm. nominated, and then, and everyone was just like, I don't know anyone. I know a lot of people have seen Night Vice, but like no one talks about how much they like it. Yeah. Um. They make they make fun of the fact that it's a group of forty five year old men. Either on in makeup to look the, to look like younger forty five old year old men or older forty five year old men and like he said there's a scene where um uh, uh Dick Cheney meets like uh, Amy Adams's dad for the first time and it's just so weird because like the two people the two guys are like the same age pretty much uh-huh. anyway so uh 
Yeah, let's go. Actually, should we go on break? Uh, here's a here's a bad time to talk about this. Okay. For the new format, um, mm-hmm. should we go on break now, or should we basically keep these intros short? Even though it, it it's not like that short, it's just short yeah, for us. Yeah, more like twenty. Or we should just like bleed into the actual book discussion. Let's give it a break so that way people can like skip ahead in time, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll give it a bit of a break. Um, but uh, basically, we should be keeping these things relatively short. From now on, mm-hmm. this was a long intro for us. Mm. Deal. It's like the shortest one we've ever done. It's like the shortest one we've done since I think we started. Okay. Um, so let's go and break right now. All right. We come back. We're gonna talk about books. Okay, dog. We're gonna talk about books. Okay. Goodbye. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Dear listener readers. We're back. If you skipped ahead to him just to talk about Kurt Vonnegut, hey, welcome. Two. You missed a really engaging talk about uh, passionate projects and uh, Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins and uh, we were starting a gentleman in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't want to I want to re-get the, uh, the Nemo trilogy for that. Anyway. Uh, welcome, dear listener, readers, and slow readers. Welcome to you by Topic of Radio Podcast. I'm Eric Daniel Gazaz. You are Daniel Mara. Or to Daniel Mara. Daniel Mara. <laughs> uh, that's our that's our Go Tanks. Go Tanks. Mm-hmm. What's the what? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Go Tanks. No. Yeah, go Tanks. No. Now it's on the table. What is that? Do you really want me to explain Go Tanks? Yes. Okay, Daniel. In Dragon Ball Z. Oh fuck it. Never mind. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so we're here to talk about books this time, uh, and this time we're going to talk about Shlakton Fumf. Hmm. A.K.A. Yeah. What's the titles? Yeah, hold. Say all the titles. Um, it is Slaughterhouse Five, or The Children's Crusade, or A Duty Dance with Death by Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Published in 1969. 69. This is a 69 book. Mm. Um, at the height of Vietnam. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Gabriel. Say height. Height. Okay. This is uh, <laughs> it's not incorrect, but anyway. Yeah, um, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so uh. Yeah, this is the third Vonnegut book. Oh, oh, we didn't actually mention. I'm sorry. This is also, by the way, guys, uh, oh, yes. this is why it's in the title. This is the third time we're hitting up the Strand 80. Daniel, what is the Strand? The Strand 80 is a bullshit list set up by <laughs> 80 books from, like, the Strand, which is the greatest bookstore in the world, the mm-hmm. most biggest bookstores in the world. I believe it is. In the world or just America? It's, I think it's definitely America. I'm pretty sure the world. Right. That's you'd what figure, they say. You figured there would be... There's you know, 16 old, miles of books. Older bookstores that have been huge and around. No, they were all burned down like the Library of Alexandria. Yes, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing a... bookstore in Union Square in New York City. Um, we Daniel and I have shopped there a lot in mm-hmm. the decade change we lived in New York. You know, they do need used books. What the fuck, guys? Yeah, we should. I bought I bought so many books from the Strand. I bought a bunch of, like, stuff. I bought, like, a, a really cool edition of Canary Row the last time I was there. And yeah. I thought I bought you a special present of uh, Memories of a Melancholy Horror and, har- and Hardback, and you were just like, I have that already. And I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, check them out. Check them out on Instagram at the Strand yeah. Bookstore, I believe. Because uh, we are doing... Every single one of their books on the Strand 80, which is 80 fan favorites, which again, it's kind of faulty as hell. Like four Harry Potters. It was like it was like four. Yeah, it, like it's, three Ayn Rands. It's not. It, no, it's like four. It's like all of Anne Ryan's like class. It's a uh, Atlas Shrugged. Um, what's the other Fountainhead? Fountainhead. Uh, anthem. And I want to say there was another one. I'd rather play Anthem than read Anthem. <laughs> and I don't want to play Anthem. <laughs> and I don't want to play Anthem. I don't, I don't like anthem. these AAA games. But uh, no, <laughs> uh, there's a really great uh, speaking of which we were at, we were at I guess this is an extended fucking intro. Hey. Uh, we were just at a Wild Horses show, which is a really fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that was a great time. Uh, 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 quartet of comedians, mm-hmm. uh, including Lauren Lapkus, Mary Holland, Stephanie Allen, and Aaron Whitehead. Yes, uh, and who liked my comment? 
It was, yeah, no, they, they like my comment, they retweeted it, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was a really fantastic show, but I, I've listened to the uh, recording shows on, on Stitcher Premium before, mm-hmm. and uh, at some point they bring up, they talk about like reading, and one of them mentions reading Anne Rand, and how like, she, she was like, oh yeah, back when I was, like, when I was a, like a teenager or something like that, I read Anne Rand, and then I was just like, this is everything I believe in at, the, you know, at that time. <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of like... When you're at that right. age where you have that conversation, communism is great in theory. <laughs> Did I tell you that um, in Cincinnati, I was um, like, so uh, the professor, her um, next door neighbors, they're all like, they're like grad students. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you like, and we, we overheard this conversation exactly. You know, communism is great in theory. And you're like, dude, you're a fucking adult. You see, you say that when you're 16 and you think you're smart. <laughs> to be fair, they are grad students. Yeah, God. Anyway. You never had a real job in your lives. The, uh, but yeah, and yeah. I never will. Am I right? <laughs> oh, take that. Dang and I are not fans of higher education. No, we're, we're, we didn't do that great in that. Yeah, we both finished college 10 years late. <laughs> if I did, if I paid attention to my college courses, I'd be doing much better. Anyway. So, uh, so this is our talk about Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. This is the, uh, so yeah, we're it's doing the third Vonnegut book. The third Vonnegut book we did. Uh, we did Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. We did half of uh, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. We should we should get back. We should get Matt struck. We back need on Matt the show. struck back on the show. Matt, if you're listening, sorry. I really meant to invite you on to this episode to talk about this, but I kept on forgetting. Yeah, Matt. But we have to have Hocus Pocus and Matt back again because uh, he is a good friend of the show, and I recently did his show like last month. Hey, yeah, no, that was on Facebook. I saw mm-hmm. that. We drew the <laughs> S thing. <laughs> that S thing. Um, so yeah, the, uh, yeah, no, this is the third time we're, third, third different time we're doing Vonnegut. The third uh, uh, to catch us up, Gabriel, what's your history with Kurt Vonnegut uh, um, Jr.? I've been a big fan ever since I first picked up, I think, I picked up Reckless of Champions. My memory is hazy about this, which is kind of funny considering this book. But either it was eighth grade in middle school or it was uh, sophomore year in high school that I picked up um, Breakfast of Champions randomly from the library, um, got on the bus to go to a field trip, read the first few pages, got to the introduction where he draws an anus, which is tattooed on my arm, by the way, mm-hmm. and I was in love. So I've read maybe half of his books across the years. Very, really big fan. Um, and then I was happy to do Cat's Cradle for the show. Happy to do most of Hocus Pocus mm-hmm. with Matt. And I'm was really glad we we're doing this for the Strand 80 series. Yeah. What about you, Daniel William? Uh, uh, kind of similar. I remember being in high school. I don't remember. Oh, I remember um, what it was is that uh, Cat's Cradle was actually when I somehow slutted my way into apparently slutted your way. an honors English cl- uh, course in like 10th grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow I managed to do that. And one of the books we read was Cat's Cradle. Was that Mr. V? Yeah, Mr. V. And uh, Mr. Vonnegut. Uh, hey. Actually, I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember what it is. Oh, yeah, we don't need to say that. Yeah, on he air. was cool. He was all right. He um, uh, when I started the film society at the high school, he was the advisor for the class. Oh, that's that's, that's nice. Um, and apparently, well, uh, and, and speaking of which, you know, he had he had us read uh, Lord of the Flies, Catcher in the Rye, some other books. I read 1984 for him. And I never read it in 1984. And <laughs> or, by... I would love it if, like, the class did read 1984. I just didn't. You just didn't do it. I, that, that totally you were makes bad sense. students. But, uh, but that said, one of the books he had us read was Cat's Cradle. 
And right away, Cat's Cradle, the the style that it's written in, the, the like the wry humor. I can't imagine a classroom. Well, I guess it was honors class. Can you imagine making a regular class full of dum dums trying to read Cat's Cradle? You'd figure that'd be perfect. Like something like that, like tiny chapters. The 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 sarcasm, the kind of irreverency of talking about like these really huge dark subject matters and like these like these very brief, like sardonic kind of like ways worth like science fiction and fantasy get like intertwined with like yeah. really tragic humanity and very strange characters and locations like, I, i'm curious what that would actually be like but like yeah so like mm-hmm. i like that enough and then at some point i read uh i forgot what the next one was it was like vonnegut was still alive at the time too yeah he died in like 2003 around then i think something like that um, I think it was even 2005, to be honest with you. Or maybe it was like 2006. I think it was 2006, actually. Because uh, the man, A Man Without a Country came out... three. A Man Without a Country came out in 2005. Oh, gonna... seven he died. Oh, seven. okay. Wow. Uh, the Great Year, 2007. Yeah, the Eratitubi came out. Uh, yeah, and uh, There Will Be Blood, No Country, uh, Eastern Promises. Proposition. And a Proposition, there you go. No, no, Proposition was 2005. Oh. Uh, there's so... some other really great movies in 07. There, there's, really there's like more, like when you think about it. Michael Clayton. Uh, anyway... So, uh, so no, no, I remember, like, I read, I read Man Without a Country, uh, which was, like, his last book that he came out, which was, like... It was nonfiction, right? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, he, like, gave up writing fiction, I think, after, I think after Hocus Pocus or something Oh, no, like his that. last fiction book was Time Quake. Time Quake. Yeah. Was it, was it not good? Or... It was, it was, um, it, I, it was a, a lesser, but it was also very, uh, it was very, very affecting. Like... Um, like my memories of Vonnegut scenes, the climactic scene of Time Quake is one that always sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is about like I think it ends with uh, Vonnegut himself, who is kind of like the godlike figure of the story. Um, yeah, I think about Time Quake a lot actually, and like Kilgore Trout, like he appears in front of Kilgore Trout, like I'm your creator. He he pulls a he pulls a wait um, isn't that a is Dark that Tower of Champions? No, I'm pretty sure that's that's Time Quake. You know, the end of um, the end of uh, Breakfast of Champions when does it uh, make me young again? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was that. No, I, I do. I think there was a moment. Doesn't like Kurt Vonnegut show up as like a godlike figure at the end of that? And he talks I thought it was to, time quick. He talks to uh, Kilgore Trout. Is he one of the main characters in that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up and he's. Oh, is that it then? Because basically he's the author of the author or whatever. Oh. And it was just after. Remember, like when the dog lunges at him on the chain and his balls uh, uh, go back yes. to his body, and he has to have it like surgically dropped. Mm-hmm. I guess so. <laughs> I think so. Maybe he does. Maybe he just does it twice. Yeah, he does it twice. Oh no, sorry, that is Breakfast of Champions. Okay. I'm sorry, but Time Quake is all about uh, what's it called? Um, uh, much like the Chalfamadorian way of looking at time, um, time goes into a weird kind of like earthquake where everyone's sent back in time, but they have to relive their lives exactly the way it happened. So if even if you did something tragic, you ha- you were just fully conscious of you're uh, you're about to do it again. You couldn't change it. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, uh, Vonnegut. Even though like it, it, for some reason I didn't know this after having read because like I read those, I read those things. Then I read uh, Breakfast of Champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read God bless you, Doctor Kavorkiak. Kavorkian. Kavorkian, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Yeah. Uh, I read that one, which is another. Well, yeah, it's not. I was gonna say nonfiction. It's not nonfiction at all. He talks to dead people. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, and I feel like there was one other book that I read, even though I don't think so. Or this. Right, so we should stop <laughs> jerking off about our Vonnegut cred. But yeah, it's important. Well, no, I mean, well, that's I, a cred. I, I, let's about let's move on to actually. So, what do we know about Kurt Vonnegut for anyone who doesn't know who Kurt Vonnegut is, Daniel? 
Gabriel, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut. Kurti Vonnegut. Actually, this is, I think this is more your thing. You probably know the history of him more. Mm. I know of him as basically he was, in fact, in World War II. He was a POW. Mm-hmm. Uh, there definitely is, uh, not to get too far into the actual book talk, but, like, yeah. there is a blurring between uh, fi- fact and fiction, between, like, the fact that uh, Vonnegut himself was at, uh, the, was at Dresden when it was bombed. He did, and, in fact, poop out his brains. He did, in fact, poop out his brains. And uh, and he was there, and he basically did a lot of the things that his witness, as Vonnegut himself is actually present in the, f- mm-hmm. the book as well. But, like, yeah, he was that. He came on. He became, like, a science fiction writer. What was his first book? Was it Sirens of Titan? Player Piano. Player Piano. I believe it was his thesis. It was, yeah, it was his thesis, something like that. And it had a, it had a different title originally, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he, he was a, he's primarily a science fiction writer. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even something like this, where we can talk about this later, about whether or not this is science fiction or not. Mm-hmm. But like, this is kind of also a science fiction story. Uh, Cat's Cradle, another science fiction story. He, like, he is generally referred to as a science fiction writer. Yeah, and he and he's very much like he's at all like the big sci-fi conventions. I remember mm-hmm. he gave like the big speech when like Asimov died or whatever. Yeah, I mean like that was that was, was it, part was of this thing. Like, was like being uh being the leader of the humanist society of the existential existential humanists yeah something like that mm-hmm. um what was the thing he said about when asimov died oh yeah it was like the most it was the most like in joke ever about like asimov fans where like after he died he goes like well asimov's in heaven now and, and like, everyone the, laughed and the whole thing like, ah, ha, 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 which funny. is hilarious if you know asimov i don't really i don't know the, i guess the the joke is that he's a hardcore uh, hardcore atheist. atheist or something like yeah, that. yeah i guess I that know. makes sense i never never read any uh, uh i feel like i read one thing of asimov so i don't remember oh i read 2001 that's right oh he did that <laughs> no and i'm sorry that's uh that's isaac who <laughs> Wait. This is a literature podcast. <laughs> I'm blinking on names right now. I'm sorry. Who wrote 2001? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? He's like the biggest guy. He's dead, right? No, he's still around. 2001? Yeah, do me a favor. Look that up, please. I'm doing it. <laughs> so um, I hard blanked out yeah, this guy's go name, on, right? Um, Arthur so, C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke, all right? Clark. I don't need okay. to look this up. I knew it. I'm, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm a huge fan of fucking Kubrick, and, and I know about Cubby. science fiction. If I haven't recently read it, I know my fucking... Yeah. I know Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001. Yeah, I just God really damn care. it. But yeah, so basically Vonnegut was the leader of the existential humanist, the humanist society. That That's kind of what made me like like him from the beginning. He introduced me, like like speaking of pretentious fucking teenagers, hey. he introduced me to the concept of existentialism and humanism. And, you know, it's all about that. It all comes down to the human individual, mm-hmm. which I think is always very fascinating. Anyway, any who's Gabriel! Um, he worked for GE before he became a full-time writer. Oh, okay. And then he did some... Then he was a lifelong smoker, and he always... Smoked, encouraged, saying that it was the fa- it was the coolest way to kill himself. Yeah. And then he fell. He took a spill, and then he died. He fell off a ladder and then died. Well, did he? I thought he fell on the stairs. I thought he. I thought he fell down a ladder. He died like Juvenal Urbino. Yeah, something like that. From Love in the Time of Cholera. Yeah, sure. I never read Love in the Time. That's of a great Cholera. book. That's gonna. It's coming up. I think. Right. Yeah, that's definitely. I thought nice. Solitude's on there, not Cholera. Wait, what? Really? Fuck. Shitballs. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel. So what we is... are now on Slaughterhouse Five. Schlachtan Fumpf. Gabriel. Children's Crusade. You have this a little more of death. fresh on the in your mind because you have a really powerful memory, unlike me. Oh, Tell us briefly what is Schlachtan Five. So it is a very difficult thing to explain it what is, is Slaughterhouse Five. But you. here's the best <laughs> way I can possibly do it. It's a story of Billy Pilgrim, a kind of a bit of a blank young man mm-hmm. who. Becomes displaced in time, 
or perhaps it is just a fantasy of being displaced in time. Mm-hmm. But it's all about how he first goes to World War II, where he ends up a POW in Dresden during the firebombing of Dresden in Germany. Yeah, like that was another thing. I'm like, Dresden in Germany, right? <laughs> yeah, in Germany, where the Allies bombed this mostly residential, non-war-making like town of Dresden. It had it had no supposed like yeah, military no military value. value it was very all. close to surrender too, so it was a completely needless thing to do. It was yeah. much like Hiroshima, that uh, and so Billy Pilgrim survives that. He goes home to America, where he gets married to a woman. He has a family, and because of the post-traumatic stress, he either imagines or truly lives through being abducted by aliens called the Chalfamadorians and he becomes a zoo exhibit for them mm-hmm. and then he dies but the very interesting thing about how this story is told is that not only is it a story within a story where Vonnegut is the book ends telling the story himself but also Billy Pilgrim is quote unquote unstuck in time yes. so he bounces from moments moments from his life in history going through but from the war to the mental hospital, back to the war, to having his children, to etc., back and forth, even past his own death. Because according to the Chalf Amadorians, um, time is viewed not linearly like humans. It's viewed like a single picture. Yes. And, yeah, it, uh, very. that's that's as good as you're going to get in terms of like a brief synopsis of yeah. everything in this. Because it's either, you either have to say a lot or you have to say very little. Because yes. Yeah. Um, a man comes unstuck in time, reflecting back on war and life. Now, Gabriel. Yes. Uh, what do you know what the two books bring? Well, what do you know? What do you, what do you know what two books spring to my mind when, when talking about this book? Which two books? Nine Stories. Okay. Salinger. Mm-hmm. And Tim O'Brien's Goddamn Things We things Carried. Things We Carried. Yeah. Yes. I down the title there. Uh, things oh, we I should have brought that with me to L.A. I left it in my room. What, the book? Yeah. Oh, just get the audiobook. It's like five Read bucks. Read by Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. And then a surprise, like, several chapters that are brand new read by O'Brien himself. Cool. That's a follow-up. It's about him visiting Vietnam. Sure. Um, in present times. But, uh, yeah, sure enough, um, it's, like, there's stories about uh, an author at the height of their abilities. Height. Height of their abilities. Uh like talking about this great traumatic effect they're all anti-war novels yes even if and like don't get me wrong this one this is the only book of the three of them that is outright an anti-war novel there's that mm-hmm. great joke at the start about like you know like some guy's just like anti-war huh why not write anti-glacier yeah um which is a very modern very thing that joke. can be uh, <laughs> that can be talked about but yes um so like yeah, and like it's it's someone writing about this great traumatic thing, and and true enough, just like the other two, in a, but in a very vonnegut way. Yeah. It's like let me tell you about this incredibly dark thing that in human history that is not talked about enough, like this this murder of like mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of like civilians, basically. Apparently, it was only about twenty five thousand. It was twenty five in 000? reality. I I just uh, okay because I I just on Wikipedia scrolling for his death, I saw like the number of like one hundred thirty five thousand. That's something what he the... believed slash what it was kind of like said to be. Yeah, but I, I think that in reality it was only about twenty five thousand. But don't quote yeah. me on that. Yeah, it might have been. That might be. Yeah. yeah, whatever. But um, so like. And again, like, let's talk about this. Okay, so Billy Program is unstuck in time. He's visited by aliens. And you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's seamless to the point where you're, it's, you're not sure if it's him nuts or if straight up his, like, oh. actually happening. No, no, that's, that's from Billy Pilgrim's perspective. I'm talking about Vonnegut's perspective mm. first. Um, Vonnegut's perspective talking about this thing that he's experienced that, like, clearly he's, like, that cannot, that he cannot leave. And of course, like the, it's very much some like like visualized in this with like 
uh, Billy Pilgrim, you know, celebrating his anniversary, and then like having yeah. a mental break, mental breakdown, listening to a barbershop quartet because mm-hmm. it they resembled the guards, and it's like the joke about like how do you move on from mm-hmm. like witnessing this horrendous like inhuman act. And essentially, it's like, well, you don't. It never leaves you. And at some point, you have a mental breakdown. I think we made the comparison back when you're reading the Deathlands books. Like those. <laughs> th- so for listeners who don't know what Deathlands is, They're it's good. a series of trucker fiction, kind of ridiculous, glorifying gun stories about the like post-apocalypse where Snake Plissken and his sexy mutant friend, they fight hordes of mutants with elaborate descriptions of guns. And we compared it to reading nine stories of Salinger, Salinger, who was also deeply in the shit mm-hmm. in uh, World War II. That when a person, <coughs> um, when a person actually goes through war, not that we would know, mm-hmm. um, the reality of writing about it is almost like a blank, or it's an avoidance of it rather than the glory of gunplay. Yeah, it's like in I think in Nine Stories and in uh, in uh, uh, the things we carried. Jeez, I don't know the ones we carried. <laughs> the, the things we carried. It's like. It's like someone telling you, it's like, hey, it's like on one aspect, it's like one person talking about all these stories with like this dark undercurrent of just trauma. Things we carried, it's someone telling you about trauma, this mm-hmm. traumatic thing that happened to them. Be like, by the way, I made most of that up. Like those characters weren't real. Like these people I made you feel, they're not real. Um, this is what actually happened. That's pretty cool. So anyway, so here's this other thing that actually happened. And like where like fact and fiction is not blurry, and like he makes you feel, he makes you feel like like the loss of these people, mm-hmm. and then telling you like, oh, those people I made up, that's not what actually happened. The idea about basically being like witnessing those things is actually worse than making you feel the fiction or whatever. Anyway, that's interesting. So, and then this, meanwhile, you have like him trying to talk about, like having trying to come up with something to say about Dresden. And instead, he, for the most part, he talks about, like, this goofy story about a guy who may or may not be visited by aliens, may or may not be crazy, may or may not be unstuck in time where he's, like, witnessing all of his history at once. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very similar. And it's, and it's very, it's, uh, rather than think about it in terms of, like, a, like, a anti-war novel, I, I think about this as a story about trauma. This is about someone yeah. dealing it's with trauma. It's an incredibly human story about trauma, mm-hmm. which is so much more fascinating than a war epic about, like, heroic dudes with machine guns. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, not that I even, like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's plenty out there mm-hmm. or whatever. I'd be, I'd be, i tell you what, though. I am very curious. I, I've wanted to, at some point, pick up and read, uh, uh, what was it? I'm, I'm getting it mixed up. No Easy Day? Is that the Bowden book? Bowden? Bowden? Oh, Mark Bowden? Yeah, that w- I think that was the one that it was about the guy who uh, supposedly con- contributed to Operation. I don't remember, but the guy who supposedly like was telling the story about like the raid that killed Osama bin Laden and everything mm-hmm. like that, um, like something like that. I was like, I would be interested in hearing just like a bare bones fact. Like, it's not like a heroic story. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's more of just like describing about what it was like to actually be there. Sure. Like something like that would be interesting, just because we, you know. I mean, hey, we're going to read a lot of, like, the great anti-war fiction, including some fiction that may or may not be, like, really all that anti-war. It might be more... It might be close sure. to, like, the John Wayne kind of... Yeah. Like, war is hell kind of story, but it's I mean, not, like, anti-war. Yeah, you, we, we read uh, um, Starship Troopers for this. Yeah. Which is a very, very different, like, narrative about what war means. It It, it is. And it's very interesting. Uh, if you ever... That was, like, the one time reading... A, talking about a story that actually I got, like, angry about. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, I just... I hated, like, the militant fashion of... <laughs> oh, it's it's truly awful. But for me, it, it was but, fascinating. It was well-written in the sense of... This is someone who believes so strongly in an ideology. And he put it into science fiction. Much like 
I mean, I would say that more often than not, it's a it's a left wing kind of mindset to like turn science fiction into an allegory for war, whereas this one is just straight up like I'm making an argument for Mike makes right, while you're also talking about bug monsters. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's that's one. I mean, let, let's not get too sidetracked. Yeah, that's not that's what Vonnegut does with this whole his yeah. perspective of war and through Billy Pilgrim, like you. It's such sly storytelling mm-hmm. that everything is such plain facts that you miss the big picture often. Yeah. They're like like they're in the POW train. They're like completely they're held like they're herded like cattle and they're in their own shit and they're stuck together. And then they arrive miserable to the camp and the British the captured British soldiers are mm. just kind of like, Welcome chaps <laughs> Like, oh, they're disgusting. And you you feel this sympathy on all sides. I think that's that's what makes Vonnegut's writing so wonderful is that everyone is human, even the Chalfamadorians. <laughs> yeah, even even the crazy You're, you're human in your ignorance. Uh Gabriel. Mm, um Daniel. How about this? Let me ask you, what's your history of reading this? Do you have you you've read this before? Yeah, I read this on my on my journey across Vonnegut. That I think that in high school, like the the, the trajectory I went was like Breakfast at Champions. And then um, I read. I think I read this one second because it was quite a long time ago since I read this. Do you do you remember it's Mother Night? Do you remember what I, I I've had that book? I never got around to reading it though. Mother Night's good. Yeah. Um. um the characters in Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah, oddly enough, which is something I wouldn't have noticed if I didn't Wikipedia it. Um, Gabriel, when you read Slaughterhouse Five the first time, mm-hmm. how did that rub you? Um, I'm not that smart, so I guess for me, most most of the subtext kind of slipped past me. Um, I remember, like, I, I laugh. Like, Vonnegut's very funny. Mm-hmm. At one point, he, uh, Billy Pilgrim refers to his daughter as a bitchy flibberty gibbet. And I'm like, that's hilarious. And it's, also, um, he's so br- childish. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> like, low, it's like this, it's beautiful mix of, like, low brow and. Yeah. Uh, and he brings back the bird sound from Cat's Cradle that I absolutely love. Patuit. Patuit. That apparently, in the midst of horrible destruction, the birds still fly and sing, and they go, putiwit. It's yeah. Um, for for people who don't know what we're talking about, in in one of the moments of uh, Cat's Cradle, which is basically an apocalyptic science fiction story about like a severe like this ice weapon that's going to like literally wipe out all life on Earth, like on the on like the moment of like this 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 event where basically everything goes wrong and the world is about to be destroyed, the main character kind of has like this moment where like time seems to like lock like freeze and plays mm-hmm. and he notices a bird just flying by that goes patawit yeah. and like all of his attention is on that <laughs> as this as the world is about to end or whatever and you, you know what's an interesting thing like, association i've always made of that it's uh have you read the hitchhiker's guide series uh yeah I, I read the first book yeah um at some point later on in the series arthur dent like who is just I, I always wondered is was there ever an association respect or acknowledgement between adams and vonnegut and at one point like so Arthur Dent learns how to fly in book three uh-huh. um, in uh, Life of the Universe and everything. And apparently the secret to learn to flying is that you need to fall and somehow miss the ground. And Arthur Dent, because he's almost like a Vonnegut style protagonist, because he's so preoccupied of other things, uh-huh. he, he's a master at this because he'll, he'll jump off a building and almost idly happen to notice a candy bar flying in like rapper flying in the alleyway and because he's paying attention to that he misses the ground and flies so it's kind of like this weird displacement of time amidst doom yeah there that's 
That's interesting. I wonder what it would be like if like those two got along or if they're just like, I don't know, maybe it's like, eh, I don't want to look at the other person's work because... You want to see my fan script of Doctor Who where he meets Vonnegut? No. I have been working on a on a, on a spec script where Doctor Who meets uh, Douglas Adams. Good for you. Who wrote for Doctor Who. Did he? He did. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, no, but in a similar way, uh, when I first read uh, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, it, I, I remember it kind of kind of going over my head. I remember afterwards kind of going like, oh, this Dresden thing was real or yeah. yada, yada, yada. I, I mean, there's a lot of context you need to know before, like, there, I mean, back when I read it, there was, this is before easy internet access. Yeah, before Wikipedia. So, before you could pull out any information you wanted out of your pocket, I'd be sitting in the library being like, Dresden, where's Dresden? There's a bombing? Okay. It's, uh, yeah, you just can't watch, like, a 20-minute uh, Crash Courses video hosted yeah. by John Green. Uh, Love you, John. He goes very, he, uh, I recommend, if uh, uh, people out there, even if you're not particularly interested in actually picking up the book, I would recommend you go go on YouTube, search Crash Courses, Slaughterhouse-Five, and If John... you want focused discussion on literature without crazy tangents, check those out. Well, that is, that is, uh, hey, that's very different. It's two different, it's apples and oranges between us and that fucking Are you sure? Because of video? <laughs> and video as well, different medium. Can you imagine shooting this show Daniel us in this closet no I can't imagine that I, I, I would not want to <laughs> yeah, it would be easy well yeah I'm sure it would be easy but who would want to watch that everyone what if we had, what if we're just shirtless the whole time by the way thank you for all the people who uh, subscribed since the last episode but damn you, there was like a bit of like a mini little pop of mini surge uh, things whatever yeah mini surge yes um, oh listeners um, I shall see you to the end Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Let's go on break right now. Okay. Because uh, I, I need to blow my nose. Ew. Uh, so when we come back... You leave back... in my coughs and you go to break to blow your nose? <laughs> you bastard. Well, I control the breaks. Also, we, it's, it's it's about time. So... I guess that's a trade-off once I refuse to edit the show. And so the, I'm, we're going to go on break. And when Fine. we come back, we're going to get final thoughts about Slaughterhouse 5. And then we're going to roll for the next Strand 80. Snarf. Hit the theme music. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Dear listener readers. Hey. Two. Roast leaders. Roast leaders. Oh. <laughs> America's best. Are you trying to outbeat me? Did you think I was oh, trying to? Oh, I said to... roast leaders. Roast leaders? Roast leaders. Roast leaders. Gross leaders. Gross leaders. There we go. That sounds better. Uh, America's best. Space Leadership Podcast. Brought to you by Top Gun Radio. I am Daniel Gonzalez. You are Gabriel Mara. That's true. Gabriel. That's now. Uh, before we go final thoughts, I need to play. Oh, that's the wrong app. I need to play you something that we talked about briefly. Actually, I don't think we talked about this on air. Uh, there's many different versions of the audiobook for this. Okay. Uh, on, I, on iTunes, I think the popular audiobook is read by Franco, James Franco, not mm-hmm. Dave. Not America's Franco Nero. Uh, nor Franco Nero. Uh, but the one on the high books You're on first name terms of Franco Nero. <laughs> <laughs> my, my main man, my, Franco. My boy, Franco. <laughs> um, but no, no, the, uh, the one on the high books app, high being H-I books. High books? That yeah, sounds totally. exciting. It is. Uh, it's a subscription, uh, but uh, basically it gives you a lot of, it's going to give you a lot of original content, but also mm-hmm. you can purchase uh, disc, severely discounted audiobooks. That's outstanding. That I think these prices are kind of fluctuating because it's a new app, to be honest with you. Because yes. I remember when I time. when I looked the first time, I feel I feel like like the, the audiobook here was $9. Then when I was going to buy it, it went to 12 hmm. And then today when I brought it up again, it was at like 7 Okay. So I bought it for 7 Sure. And guess who it's read by? Who? Do you remember? I do. I'm just for dramatic effect. I'm who? Okay. Ethan fucking Hawk. Parkinson. So do you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Well, this, we'll cut it in. This is, well, no, I'm just going to play it for the speaker. It's okay. So this is Ethan Hawk reading Slaughterhouse-Five. To write a book about. 
I remember two Russian soldiers who had looted a clock factory. They had a horse-drawn wagon full of clocks. They were happy and drunk. You they know, because of our jobs, all I can hear are breaths. The newspaper. That was about it. For but you know what? He's also dramatic enough. He's great. Where, like, you can, like, the breaths are good. If, if you have a really solid reader, mm -hmm. like, breathing doesn't bother you because... Also, like your ears pick up breathing as if it were speech. Yeah, let's just quickly. Um, okay. yeah, we produce we produce audiobook <laughs> segments. Audio people. Yeah, we're audio people. This is what we do. Anyway, but that's honestly, I'm like, that's kind of cool. It's, I kind of wish there'd someone with a little bit more, like a. It needs like a bit a of like a humor, a sarcastic kind of. Like who who do you think would be really good at reading something like this? Because so, Franco I'm, I'm, sounds like not as good as this one. Yeah, I'm like who would be a good reader to read something kind of like. Like who who's an American voice that can do something kind of like droll and Chris a little bit Pratt. off? Maybe like 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 Colbert. Colbert. What about like Nick Offerman? Ah, uh, maybe. I I love Nick Offerman, but I think Nick Offerman kind of presents something too masculine. You sure? Because I, I would imagine that he would give this like an absolute dry sarcasm. Like if he just read everything, he can read this straight, but mm -hmm. also be as kind of like. Like kind of like like very secretly nudge nudge. Wink, I bet he'd, I bet he'd be great, but I kind of I think I would rather someone like. I'm like, trying to think of a young Jewish man, not a young Jewish man, but yeah, Jew, like a Jewish, Jewish like actor or whatever. Yeah. Um. But no, no. Okay. Jay Baruchel. That sounds good. Anyway, Gabriel. It's Daniel. Ah, fun facts. Mm-hmm. How you feel about Schlagtanfunf? Um, I love this book. Uh, personally, I I like Cat's Cradle more. Um, Cat's Cradle, I think, is laugh out loud the whole time. I guess it's just hard to put into perspective. I mean, that's the whole point of the book, that you and I, we're not soldiers. We've never been in war. We don't mm -hmm. know what it's like. We never experienced trauma at this level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's it's fascinating. And it's so well written. But, you know, I think I still, at the end of the day, prefer Cat's Cradle. Uh, no, I agree that Cat's Cradle is definitely the funnier one. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I, I remember even reading Cat's Cradle and as a teenager. And, like, even those... Even those themes that went over my head. It's about the end of the world. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, like, it, I, I appreciate this. It's been, like, over 10 years since the last time I picked up this book. and It's also been 10 years since you got a haircut, apparently. I know. I need a haircut. Um, you look like Amadeus. Honestly, like, like for work, since I wear, like, big, massive headphones, like the ones that you're wearing, yeah. that, like, whatever you do big with your cans. hair, it's going to be fucked up. So I need to, like, cut it pretty short. Yeah. I'm liking this haircut I got. It's very thin. I don't even need hair product. That's nice. Yeah. Um... Fuck you. Uh, and uh, so, no, no, I, I really appreciate it. Again, like, it is, it, like, reading this kind of reminds me of those two other works, and that's why I kind yeah. of, like, pu I'm putting them together in a very joyful way. Like, no, it's, e it's very accurate. Each of them is, like, that artist's way of presenting trauma. Yeah. And it's trauma is essentially, like, like evading mm -hmm. trauma. It's like, hey, do you want to talk about trauma? Let me tell you about, like, me going for cigarettes this morning in yeah. the middle of it. I just remembered, like, thousands of people dying in this very needless act. And I think that's so incredibly fascinating and affecting that, you know, it's... It's, it's human. It's, it's, it's human. Yeah. It's a complete opposite of, of over-dramatizing something, which is just such a bummer. Like, I don't really want to read about, like, the, the, the crying and the death and the doom. This is just the real experience of... Like, you know, it's, it's the authenticity of, you know, like people talk about like the quote unquote greatest generation, et cetera, mm -hmm. or even like Vietnam War vets. And, you know, they're like, yeah, he just never talked about it. And it's like, I wonder why. Because because like the, these glorious war stories aren't glorious. War is awful. And it, having not ever been in battle, these give me a much better understanding of what it must be like for me. I'm I'm my mind goes blank, like walking down the street uh -huh. like or when like I when. 
tragedies affected my life. It's the the thing I remember most clearly is feeling blank. Yeah. It's hard to actually, like like he says in the beginning, you'd think it would be easy to describe something you saw and felt, but it's not. Yeah, it's... It's it's beyond your comprehension as a human. It's like human, like, cosmic horror. Yeah, it's... Existential horror. Hey, like... Like Lovecraft and Cthulhu. Like love and craft. Um, no, that's that's a very fine point and everything. That, that Thank totally, you. Yeah, it's, it's it's very it's a it's a good it's a great book. Um, I'm curious about how much I actually really feel about it. I feel like a bit like, I don't know. I feel like I read this in a rush, especially because yeah. I'm reading, like, two other fucking books. Yeah, I doing research at the same time. Plus, I was, I was editing heavily. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I tell you what. Well, I, let's I, do our last segment about the books. What's that? Okay, go. It on. is. In honor of dear friend of the show and host of the Whipper Down podcast. And massive Hobbit fan. A massive Hobbit fan, <laughs> which I found hilarious. Oh, like, like, I like to imagine this person listening to the episode and being like, fuck you, yep. like, uh, to everything I say, which love it. Again, <laughs> I, I love negative attention. Um, Daniel, what is your memorial of Sean Hayes? Hazy memory. The, of Slaughterhouse Five, what do you walk away from this book? What will you hold on to always in honor of Sean Hayes, host of the Pitwell? I remember I, this this reading this time around and going back, like it gave me a flashback to the last time I read it, whenever it was. Where um, it's always very telling that the introduction is actually chapter one. Yes. Chapter one, like the book begins with an introduction to the book. Like that is the actual start of the book. It's not an introduction. It's chapter one, and that chapter two is essentially the start of the book. The chapter two is Billy Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first chapter is Vonnegut talking about writing the book you're about to read and telling you also straight up that like that like oh this story is true most of it pretty much or whatever it was, um, and just how like it just gives you like this warning. It's like we've talked about before where to do metafiction is like this really like it's like this tightrope you have to walk from being like. I don't know, like, you're kind of showing off about, like, how, like, kind of meta you are. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you know, like, and especially, like, with nowadays with, like, you know, Deadpool and, and everything like that. Yeah, or, like, metafiction. Pe- people tend to, like, kind of fuck up metafiction as, like, this kind I of, like, look at what I'm doing. Metafiction. Isn't this dumb? But this is, like, this is metafi- This is a great example of metafiction that, like, I don't even know if you can necessarily reproduce because mm-hmm. it's so kind of perfect and also very true to the theme of the actual book itself. Yeah. Where, like, yeah, it's in, it's it's a very amazing stuff. It's a very s- simple, subtle, stylistic thing mm-hmm. that, like, again, to quote Toni Morrison, um, like, it, it, Who paraphrasing. Is a literature show? Paraphrasing her. Uh uh, she like speaking as her like I work very hard to write as simply as I can yeah and like so essentially like the most simple things which are the best writing I, in my opinion the most Agreed. simple the most simple things are actually very hard to get right mm-hmm. so anyway Gabriel what's your hazy memory quick sidebar before I get into that based mm-hmm. on something you just said um I got into Charlie Kaufman before I understood Vonnegut I just been reading Vonnegut and apparently there were and yet another in a long line of fuck you, Guillermo del Toro, stop teasing me kind of things. Uh, del Toro was considering directing a, a new version of this written by Charlie Kaufman. And I'm like... Slaughterhouse-Five? Yeah. Really? And I'm like, oh, that would have been cool. 
But I don't even know what that would even be like. Exactly. That's why it sounds great. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure, like, yeah. Like, clearly, I feel like Kaufman and, you know, I have was some... clearly heavily inspired I, by Vonnegut. And I have some opinions about him. But, yeah. but don't get me wrong. Like, he he clearly is the kind of guy to visualize this as a as a movie. Yeah. Like, I, I'm very curious to see there, the George Roy Hill film. There have been movie. Yeah. There, There's a George Roy Hill film. Yeah, which I, I don't want to see. <laughs> Apparently, it's it's excellent. I don't want to say, I, I, like, I read this and I'm just like, I don't want to say movie on this. Like, I'm, that, I'm very that's, curious. That's it was referenced wanna... once in, like, a few times in uh, in Every Film and Painting. But anyway, my hazy memory for this. Hazy memory. There's a lot I take away Oh, I remember clips from that. Huh? <laughs> I remember clips from the movie. Yeah, like okay. that amazing transition, apparently, or whatever. Something like that. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know, there's just a lot of, like, f- like, funny and dark and, like, beautiful and strange things in this book. And I just... I don't know. Like, like, can I say the whole thing? I don't know. It's no, hard. you can't say the whole thing. You then cheater my favorite. Then my thing is the phrase "bitchy flippity gibbet." <laughs> bitchy flippity gibbet. Okay, it's so good. We didn't. T- we didn't talk at all about uh, so no, it actually, goes. If, if anything, it's like maybe it's. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about so it goes. Yeah, we didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, like, we barely talked about the the porn star that he goes to Montana Wild Hack. We didn't actually talk about like whether or not like. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned mentioned it, but we never really discussed about the idea that like this might this either is science fiction or it's clearly about someone going through PTSD, which is of course looks this like is... we should do a little more pre-production. Uh, no, I mean, there's a there's a lot to talk about. We we were talking about the things that we appreciate, which is important yeah. to us, but mm-hmm. like the book clearly like it kind of leaves it open ended and brief, very yeah. brief, that like we don't that like mm-hmm. we don't know if like this is real about the aliens and going yeah. to his planet and brought, being brought to a human zoo and he's being forced to mate with like a 20 year old porn star yeah like she's not a really she happens to do porn she's an actress okay Wait, really okay I actually kind of blanked out on that yeah um, but like things like that happen and like she eats a banana and the the uh, you, like it's so fantastical and like the positive like positively fantastical that like mm-hmm. you know you're just like oh is this real or is or has Billy Pilgrim just kind of gone nuts because clearly he was in a hospital and yeah. and he has a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and, and all these other things. So, well, maybe my actual real hazy memory takeaway is that the the book's kind of like investigations into Christianity, <laughs> and even further than that, you know, it's like so the book is a little bit bookended by uh by the Saint Francis prayer. Yeah. For those of you who know a bit of my backstory, it's also the the mantra of AA, that it's the whole Serenity prayer. Yeah. And. In the context, it's it's much like I've talked about how much I love a good open ending, like a really well done open ending, mm-hmm. like in a say for example, uh, First Reformed, that the book kind of ends with the necklace between Montana Wild Hack's breasts, which uh, is a Serenity Prayer, which is what I'm a, uh, uh, God help me find the courage to change things that I can, um the serenity to accept the things I cannot and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. I mean, I certainly said it enough times. Uh, But it's in the context of everything in Slaughterhouse-Five, that becomes such a strange... Like, I know something has affected me when I can't even put into words. I feel this weird, like, heat behind my head of, like, I don't know how to process that. It's like when he he walked out of Cold War. Walked out of Cold War. That's a great movie. Cold War? Yeah, yeah. We were just kind of like, it's a hard thing to put into words exactly how... Yeah. yeah, Once you unpack it, like, the whole whole book is about... Well, Billy's whole fantasy of Chuff Amadorian um, time is that you can't change anything. You don't change anything. Mm -hmm. That you... There isn't... Free will is not really a thing. But then again, what is that compared to the possibility of it being a fantasy? How do you have wisdom to change... To know what's the difference between the two things, there, there's some kind of like weird liberation. Oh, that's a really great point. Um, 
there, there's this there's peace in knowing that like you know better but you couldn't have changed anything mm-hmm. beside because again like a lot of this is basically guilt from Vonnegut and Billy Pilgrim yeah uh, being on the, the side of people guilt. who've done this like incredible evil mm-hmm. and that you just happen to survive because you were under six feet 60 feet under the ground uh, same thing with like uh, when Billy Pilgrim is uh, killed in mm-hmm. the future in yeah. the future of 1974 whatever it was yeah um, where he knows he's gonna I think get there's killed there's nothing sw- more sweet than life and revenge <laughs> That fucking Paul Lazaro. Which is so fucking, yeah. And so, like, like it's, it's, it, there's some kind of peace in knowing that, like, you knew better, but you couldn't have done anything to change mm-hmm. it or whatever. Which, yeah, it's very much speaks to guilt and also very much the, uh, the saint, what do you call it kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's all about, like, the serenity prayer call. Yeah. And so I, I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So. Also, uh, uh, last thing I want to say about uh, the book overall, uh, another great juvenile drawing from uh, Vonnegut himself because he yeah. draws he draws boobs and in between the locket with the uh, the See, prayer in there. <laughs> if I could admit the horrible thing that we can that anyone of my ilk you'll know the kind I mean. <laughs> Every fucking person who has tattoos thinks about what their good Vonnegut tattoo would be, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I should get them titties. And get the that necklace, cause that's that says everything. It's, it's that's kind of great. And and you know, okay. And you know what? There's something really beautiful about someone doing something like that and mm-hmm. making it like, like you can get it tattooed, and that's a classy fucking tattoo. Yeah, and also it it ha- it has onion layers of like consideration and irony. Yeah. It just, yeah, like that prayer is just between two fantastic boobs of like a twenty year old. Yeah, uh, and is she real? Is she or... not real? Is she an imagining? Is she a denial of what happened? Is she an encouragement of happened? Yeah, it's something you'd want to unpack forever. It is, and 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 it's done in like a. Yeah. He's not a great drawer again, but no, but they're like, beautiful. It's, it's, it's wonderfully, it's wonderfully, it's it. Yeah. yeah it and my my last thing on that is yeah. that like, it's what I've always said about Polanyuk that I think Polanyuk books they start like a vonnegut where you think. You're like, what does this all mean? Where is it all coming to a head? And then the Polanyuk book ends and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess that adds up. It's like half an hour of consideration versus like a Vonnegut thing. This ends here and you're like, you feel like someone spun spun your head around 360 degrees that everything's different, but you're not sure how. Yeah, this is definitely more of like a, yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'm interested to hear like Polanyuk was on like, I think like a Joe Rogan show. And I like him. So like, I would actually love to hear him talk about like things. I like Choke. I would love to hear him talk about like his influences with like Vonnegut or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure sure it's, yeah, it's everything. Gabriel? Yes, Daniel. Honestly, we do, we've been running on long. We need Uh, to Talking about books. I know, we're having, we're we're having too much fun having book talk. Book talk. We got to roll. We got to roll the next book in the Strand 80. All right, the Strand 80. So this will decide what the next book we read based on the list. Are you ready, Daniel? Do your drum sound effects. I have that. Okay. Roll! 80. Oh, we have a a tie. Okay, so this was tied. Okay. The one we want to read. Okay. We've already done, which was The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. The one we don't want to read and we're going to have to do next time okay. is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Oh, I already did that one. We didn't do it for this. Hey, hey, I don't have to read it. I already um, read it. I, I read it like a year ago. I quote unquote read it for, I think, college? I do mm-hmm. not like it. Anyway. Um, I'll do so, our first Oscar Wilde. Hey, so uh, don't be surprised if next week we're doing something else. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do a short story next week for a little break. And then, then we're going to do Dorian Gray. I guess. Yeah, It's not that long. 
Well, isn't it? I thought it actually, it feels long. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gabriel, um, mm-hmm. time to do plugs. So, Gabriel, let's do some plugs. Okay. Um, damn it. I'm going to do that thing again that I couldn't find. <laughs> I should have summoned that earlier. Whatever. Damn okay. Um, Daniel, do me a favor. Put it. Put a link to it in the show notes. Ah, uh, yeah. Send me okay, that great. link. Great. So, um, besides listening to the back catalog of Sex and Violence, Sex Plus Violence, the punk rock movie podcast, I hosted if Ryan Snyder, rest in peace. Um, his family, um, his wife um, Emily and his sister Noelle, and I believe his cousin Ashley and his mother Carol, they are doing a five k. Um, fundraiser for to raise awareness about donation of organs. So it's um, in honor of Ryan. Their team is called Ryan's Goslings, which mm. is a cocktail that he made. It was a very good cocktail. It was basically a uh, oh shit, what was it? It wasn't a it wasn't a it's was kind of like a daiquiri. It's kind of like a daiquiri. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a uh, Ryan's like gingery daiquiri. But um, please check the link down there in the show notes. Um, it is uh, could please contribute money to them because it's a wonderful cause, and it's in honor of our dear friend Ryan, uh, magnificent bastard. Rest in peace. Mag- you magnificent. You bastard. magnificent bastard. Oh, anyway. Um, very well. Uh, yeah, attach, send that to me. I'll, I'll link it in the, uh, description below. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and for me, there's nothing really to plug. Uh, I do want to say that, uh, to go to uh, follow my Twitter at Top Gun Radio or the Instagram at Slow Readers. Hey. Uh, I don't really tweet all that much, um, at all. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but if you ever want to reach us directly, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, that said, uh, hopefully I have some fiction news coming up, uh, because I'm going to release hopefully very soon the fourth part of Kingdom, uh, Cook in the Kingdom, and also I'll be, uh, reissuing the first three parts of, uh, Cook in the Kingdom and its own, like, kind of thing, as, as its new, uh, packaging together, and it's going to be a little cheaper to buy all at once. So look forward Sweet. to that, hopefully in the next week or two. Cross your fingers, because I should have been done with this already. Uh, you screwball. Gabriel, that is all we have to say, so I think it's time to go. Okay. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everyone. Next week, we're either doing a short story or we're going to... Hey, you got a text message. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. It's the link. Oh. Anyway, we're either doing <laughs> The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, number 80 on The Strand 80, or we'll be doing some ram short shit. Otherwise, see ya. Bye. <laughs>